I hope all of you know what time it is. Please tell me you do. The best music festival of the year takes place the first two weekends of October. Austin City Limits Music Festival. In this Dogger and Muddy episode, we talk with Ed Bailey, the VP of Brand Development for Austin City Limits. We're going to talk about the festival and its awesome lineup of artists, as well as Americana Fest, Sun Radio, and more. FYI, St. Vincent, Asleep at the Wheel, Childish Gambino, Metallica, Paul McCartney, along with another 100-plus bands will be performing during both October 5th and 12th weekends here in Austin. In tribute to Austin City Limits, we are announcing a drawing in this episode 33 for Stevie Ray Vaughan's ACL Live DVD. Absolutely one of my favorites. During the podcast, we will announce the rules on how you can get your email in the hat to win. There will be a phrase you have to email me, so listen up. By the way, Stevie Ray and Jimmy Vaughn both grew up here in the Oak Cliff area where the Dogger and Muddy Music Podcast is located. Hey, how about a shout out? I happen to know that Ed Bailey's mom, Diane, is listening in to her son's interview from her home in the Midwest. Hello, Diane. Amy, I can't wait to hear what Ed has to say. Can you get us started? This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? All right, everybody. Muddy has handed over the microphone to Ed Bailey, the VP of Brand Development at Austin City Limits. Ed, you just got back from Nashville and the Americana Fest. Can you share a little bit of information on that? I did. I'm still feeling it. In fact, I just got home last night. Ouch. I was gone for I guess five days. So I was. I've been in you Nashville, were there for Nashville state of mind for the last few days, and now I'm back in Austin, getting ready to tape Austin City Limits tonight. And one of the interesting things about that trip was at the Americana Awards this year, Buddy Guy received a lifetime achievement for instrumentalist. I love and Buddy. Yeah, he, he he's awesome. And another interesting fact about Buddy is when ACL received the National Medal of Arts several years ago from the president, the Presidential Medal of Arts. Yeah. Uh, on, when Mr. George Bush was in the office, Buddy received a National Medal of Arts at the same time that Austin City Limits did. And tonight he's back to tape. I'm not even sure which show, how many times he's been on the show. He also came here to help us when we uh, inducted the first class in the ACL Hall of Fame and he performed in tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan, who was in the inaugural class. So Buddy's got a great history with the show and we're just thrilled, as always, to see him take the stage. And he'll have his polka dot guitar up there with him, I'm he sure. He will, and I have to, it's funny you say that, because he, he always has a polka dot shirt on, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, last several times I've seen him perform, it's become his trademark, and I never realized he had that, because I've seen him in his club back in the day. I've been to the Buddy Guy Club in Chicago, right, and I just right. never picked up on the fact that he had this relationship with polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I, I'd like to know the backstory for sure. I read his biography, uh, or autobiography, and I don't think he mentioned his addiction to polka dots yeah. in there. <laughs> you know there's a story. Absolutely, there's always a story. <laughs> the award ceremony was there. Can you remember some of the key uh, winners of, of the event? Well, of course, Jason Isabel's had a good run. It's clear that he is, his star is still ascending. He has not hit the top yet because yeah. 
it took three of the big categories and he won album of the year and song of the year. And those are really important ones. Katie Lang was there and, and received a, a lifetime award as being a trailblazer. She performed. It's good to see her back on the road. I know she's heading to Austin. I think she might even be playing this week Hit the Paramount. Oh, cool. Um, Roseanne Cash got a, an award basically for being outspoken and standing for causes. She gave a very rousing speech that had everybody on their feet. She definitely has a lot to say about the times that we live in. And Great. she has made it clear that she's going to continue to speak out. There was a, you know, a change this year in the format of Americana uh, for many years now. Jim Lauderdale has been the host. This oh, yeah. year, they decided to switch up the format of the show, and they invited the Mar- Milk Carton kids to actually be the host. It's always been lighthearted. The Americana is not a serious award show. It's a, a fun award show, and right. people feel free to clap and do all of that. But those guys, I have to say, they, they had people in the stitches. They are natively funny. Is a nice change, I think, to the way yeah. uh, the show goes. There was a tribute to Houston at this year's okay. Americana. Always good to have Texas represented. And Robert Earl Keane played. I think you've probably met Brandon Anthony, the Texas music yes, officer for the Very state. Good. Yes, He came out, basically gave the speech, if you will, about the music scene in Houston, the history of Houston and music. And then he introduced Robert Earl and he played. You mentioned John Hyatt before we got on the air. John. John was sitting in the row right in front of me. Gotta tell you, he is one Robert Earl Keane fan. He was singing the song and he was smiling and he was leaning in and moving. I mean, he clearly, clearly a fan. Yeah, I saw John a couple months ago with uh, Sonny Landreth. Great show. Great show. Well, and you know, I, I actually mentioned this, you know, before we got on the air too. I had a chance to go by the Country Music Hall of Fame to see the Outlaws and Armadillo exhibit that opened this this year about the creation of the outlaw music movement in the 70s and the intersection of how Austin became important to that. And and naturally, it's about Willie and Waylon, you know, Michael, Michael, Mur- Michael Martin Murphy and Billy Joe, Chris Christopherson and Cash. I didn't realize I was looking at, that John Hyatt was right peer-to-peer at the time with when Towns was coming up and Rodney Crowell was making oh. his move. And so those guys did some picking and some song swapping and songwriting circles together. And I just never, I mean, I've always been a fan of John Hyatt and he's written some seminal contributions to our music canon, Absolutely. but I, I just never saw him sitting next to the Texas songwriters, but they had a picture of him in at least one photographs of different things that were happening in the scenes. And I think that was part of what they were trying to connect the Nashville. There was still a progression, what was happening in Austin with the outlaw movement. And there's a connection, not only because some of those people like Willie, I guess, is the left Nashville and kind of helped create the scene that was happening, or at least he became heir and king to the scene that was happening here. But in reality, there was a a line being drawn back between Nashville and Austin and what was happening in Austin was happening too in Nashville. It was a side scene because at the time of Owen Bradley and Chet Atkins, when they were ruling the sound of the town, there were people that were breaking out of it. And John was, it was a part of that in the Nashville side of the outlaws. I wouldn't call him an outlaw, but he was not conforming. He was a songwriter as many of them were in that movement. They were songwriters first And they wanted to produce their own sound, which was really at the heart of all of that, was breaking out of the 
soundscape that was being forced right. on many musicians at that time. And so John, uh, apparently and surprisingly, was connected going all the way back. That's interesting because I miss that as well. I mean, I've done homework on the, the outlaw music of of Texas, but I never heard Hyatt mentioned, seen many, no. many of the documentaries and yeah. et cetera. I don't think he's credited. I'm just saying that I think that he was definitely in, in, in the, in, he was in the circle and he was a songwriter and he was writing and they were, you can get back to that Memphis sound. I mean, very much, you know, we were talking Americana. I mean, I think a big swath of what Americana embraces is the kind of sounds that came out of Memphis. I mean, as which is what would help discriminate it from pure country is that Americana certainly welcomes the the sounds of R&B and the sounds of Stax and Sun belong. So where we think Sun was the beginning of rock and roll in other ways, Sun, you know, was very much a melting pot place, you know, and a lot of the artists that came out of the Sun the early son, some of them became rock and roll legends and some of them became country legends. Absolutely. So they were definitely just grabbing what mattered. Americana clearly has a Memphis connection. There's no question to that. And, you know, New Orleans as well. And Irma Thomas received a Lifetime Achievement Award at Americana. Oh, that's great. So Irma is actually going to be here on October 25th in Austin as we induct the fifth class into the... Austin City Limits Hall of Fame, and that class includes Los Lobos, Ray Charles, and Marsha Ball. And Irma is coming to to perform and to tribute her good friend Marsha Ball. That's fantastic. Americana has just exploded, in my impression, over the last 10 years. Do you have any thoughts as to why? My personal opinion is that the music that falls in Americana is really rooted in sensibility of songwriting, First and foremost, I think what we call Americana now, it comes from a place that we appreciate songwriters and composers. Big time. First, when you look at other parts of the music industry, particularly the big, the big buckets of hip-hop and pop, and even big country, a lot of those artists are not songwriters necessarily. Some of them are, some of them aren't, but there's a lot of liberal songwriting for the purpose of getting hits. Whereas Americana, almost invariably, the the performers that identify with it and flourish under the the tent or the banner of Americana, it really starts with them all being songwriters and creators. Again, it's a good place for a non-format format in the sense that I think it holds a lot in there, more than people expect it to. I mean, it can hold bluegrass and it holds rhythm and blues and it, it you know it holds celtic it holds just classic singer songwriter uh, yeah but material. there's always a story there that thank you for saying that story i think storyline and stories in general are storytellers that really is probably the the red thread that cuts through everything for great. sure great well we're sitting here at uh Austin city limits headquarters <laughs> in Ed's office. Grand Central. That's right. That's right. So we better talk a little bit about AACL. Yeah. The VP of Brand Development. What mm-hmm. does that all intake? Well, it's evolved over the years. I've been in this position for about 20 years, and, and I haven't changed the title. I've, been in, I've had the same title in this position for 20 years, and because it's very direct and explains to some degree what I'm here to do, we have created a lot of new enterprises under the, we call the Austin City Limits tent. So when I got here 20 years ago, Austin City Limits was a television series on PBS. And I'm happy to say that 
We are at the back end of taping our 44th season for PBS. And we go 44th. 44 years. And we go live. Uh, it's coming up the first weekend of October. Will be our debut with St. Vincent. Ooh. What we've been able to do over the course of the last 20 years is we've been able to bring the brand to new terrain. And the most obvious and the biggest success story from that those efforts has been the Austin City Limits Music Festival, which I think is coming up on its 17th year of operation. Yeah, and three three weeks and four weekends. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. coming. First and second weekend in October. I'll be here for one of those weekends. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's massive headliners, Metallica. Go back to think about the Austin City Limits that many people remember that's very rooted in, in acts like Asleep at the Wheel. We've come a long way. And the good news about what we've done going back to the festival is we created a place where the the history of the show could come to life. The way that C3 Presents has achieved that is they look back to the history of the show, they look at what's happening today, and together the festival has been, with the series, has really evolved, I think, the aesthetic of what Austin City Limits can achieve. There was a time when a band like Nine Inch Nails, which has been on Austin City Limits, would have never been perceived as something that would ever hit yeah, hit right. hit the stage. I think the festival gave us the insights that what could happen with the brand, stretching of the brand to be more than Texas music, more than Americana music, more than roots music, more more than country. It's become very free form. It always has been free form, but we had some years where we were very aligned with the Nashville sound. I mean, when Garth Brooks and the Judds and Alan Jackson and Randy Travis and all those bands were really ruling the airwaves back in the 90s, you know, we were on board with that and we portrayed a lot of those acts we're, we're seeing on Austin City Limits. Today, we mix it up really well. And as I Absolutely. just mentioned, we've Absolutely. got St. Vincent coming on. You know, the headliners, we have Paul McCartney headlining the ACL Music Festival this year. We have Metallica headlining the ACL Music Festival this year. And, we, and I just mentioned Ray, uh, Ray Benson, excuse me, and Asleep at the Wheel. And they've got a new album out. They're the first band to perform every year. They usually hit the first stage and somewhere around noon of the first day. And they have had that tradition since the beginning of the festival that the sleep at the wheel hits the first chord that anybody hears in the park and i didn't realize that i saw i saw ray last year i was here for that day you know he's proud of that and he should be but that's again when you think back to the origins of the show Asleep at the Will had the very first episode that wasn't the pilot. Willie, of course, was our pilot episode that, that got the concept moving. Yeah. But when we started the, the first 13-week series back in 1976, Asleep at the Wheel had the very first episode. It's on purpose that they were the first performer to play at the very first Austin City Limits Music Festival. And today still, 17 years in, they're always booked and they will get the first, they get an opening slot on the first day so that they can continue the tradition. So they, they bring the past together with the future. And, you know, you can feel all is well in the world of ACL when you can have Mr. Paul McCartney, Metallica, and Asleep at the Wheel all comfortably fit into a park, along with another 120-some other bands. Absolutely. What we've done is we created the festival 
to be a complement and a companion to the TV series. And what the festival has done is it allowed us to really bring some great and terrifically big acts onto the series that didn't really hit Austin. In the we can do Pearl Jam on Austin City Limits now because we can also give them a gig to pay for seventy five thousand people in the park and then pop them in the studio the next day. Prior to that time, there was no venue in Austin, Texas that could hold 75,000 people. Anybody that could sell a stadium wasn't playing Austin. They'd go to Dallas, they'd go to San Antonio and play stadiums. Oh, they'd go to Houston, but the, Austin was kind of a flyby market up until the point that Austin St. Limits Festival figured out how to utilize the city park and to be able to hold and have 75,000 people watching one act. That was a game changer, not only for the Austin live music scene, it has proven over time to be an evolutionary tool to how we can book the show and bring new performers on and bring big, big stadium act bands to PBS, which I think is a great opportunity for our series to deliver that kind of content to national public television. The other part of what we've done is about seven years ago, we opened up a new venue, a new studio for Austin City Limits, but the studio is also a concert venue. For the first 36 years of Austin City Limits, we were in a studio on floor number six of a UT radio communications building. It held 350 people. And we taped the show comfortably there, if you will. I say comfortably, but we actually were straining the demand to get access to those tickets has always been strong. I would and imagine. We had this opportunity when a gentleman named Bo Armstrong, who's the CEO of Stratus Development Corporation, was engaged in conversations with the city of Austin to develop an entire block downtown. And his vision included a concert venue, a hotel, which is a W hotel, condos, uh, and retail and office space. It was right across and is right across the street from Austin City Hall. So the uh, statement of what this block ought to look like, given that it looks into and shares, you know, the same real estate downtown with the city of Austin municipal building is yeah. and the mayor and what we've developed was something called acl live and so in addition to uh, the television show being taped here 20 nights a year we have about 100 concerts a year in this building tons of private events and special galas so the the buildings utilize about 200 dates a year half of them being private events for conventions and other uh, private fundraisers and things and then 100 shows that we promote and provide tickets to the public. So now instead of 350 seats, we have 2,700 seats. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And we have the ability to, we have Willie Nelson three nights every year for, you know, since we've opened the building, Willie's been our New Year's Eve solution for Austinites. <laughs> He's here for three nights straight and he sells out the place. And, you know, what an honor. We have a statue of Willie right outside the building on the steps that lead you into, you know, the Austin City Limits, the home of Austin City Limits. So going back to Willie did the pilot. Willie was the first performer to play in this building when we opened it. He, he was the first performer to ever grace the stage. And he now does a, a three-night stand every New Year's Eve. And we've got a statue that people love to get their picture taken next to whenever they come and tour the building and see what we do here. It's very exciting. So that's what brand development has meant in my tenure, I also had a role back in the day of helping get New West Records was uh, a partner. We were able to unlock our archives to pull out some really golden jewels and put in back before the CD and DVD market actually started to just vaporize. We were 
putting out materials. And it's interesting what they've done is since they have that catalog, they don't have much of a market for DVDs or CDs anymore, but they've strangely enough been able to put out some of those titles in vinyl. To see audio from Aust- classic Austin City Limits episodes delivered on vinyl is, is a thrill for any music fan or people who appreciate what we do here. I feel thrilled to be able to see Willie Nelson from a pilot episode that we did and, and be able to drop a needle on that and to hear that audio without the picture. It gives you another experience of Austin City Limits. Big time. So as you look forward for over the next two, three years, do you have some specific objectives? Um, yes, I will say that, you know, the growth of Austin City Limits into all of these pieces that we've been discussing required the organization to grow. About five years ago, we added a general manager. His name is Tom Gimble. He's on board. And part of what Tom's job is, is to kind of act as a CEO, if you will, over all of these partners that we've added. So whereas I've helped develop some of those partners, and I also work with corporate partners like Dell and Anheuser-Busch. I've worked American Airlines, local companies like Cirrus Logic. We have great partners that help us produce the series for PBS. They make cash commitments to help us do the work here. And we've had some of these relationships for over 10 years. And so part of that brand development is to make sure that any company, whether they're a licensing partner or whether they're a corporate partner that we rely on to help do our work, that I help manage those relationships. And I help us figure out how to serve those relationships. For instance, it should be no surprise that because of the support of Dell, we have a lot of Dell gear that people use personally here and that we use behind the scenes, Dell servers. If you walk through this building, we've got Dell monitors everywhere throughout the building that allow you to see the show live off the camera feed or to run different messages, different music entertainment on these, but it enhances the experience. And that's what moving from a 350 room to a place that's 2,700, we got three floors in here. You know, we, we hold a lot of people. You know, Being able to have the experience when you're inside the stage and the studio, but when you're moving through the building, we have other messages to provide and history of the show. And you can watch videos of classic episodes and things like that. You know, Dell helped us from a technology standpoint, it's helped us really liberate some of the stuff that sits on the shelf and amplify. If you're doing a tour of the building and we do, you know, allow people to tour the building, we've got the kind of equipment you need to help amplify and and create a higher engagement with people. So that that's awesome. As we look into the future, part of what Tom has spent time doing is not something that everybody knows or sees, but we've, we've been moving the brand globally. And that's directly been a result of a couple of things. One is our partners in, in the ACL Music Festival, C3 Presents, have become the top, and I, I would venture to say they're the top live music promoter. They're a part of Live Nation now. They are a secret weapon in the Live Nation company in the fact that they... They put them to work on lots of festivals, and Live Nation is the largest live music company in the world. When they brought C3 into their company was to to take the expertise that C3 has developed, not only doing the Austin City Limits Music Festival, but Lollapalooza. We've expanded our franchise outside of the United States. Not everybody knows it, but there's an Auckland City Limits in New Zealand, and there's now a Sydney City Limits in Australia. And these have been expansions. If you go to those festivals, we've sent people over, they operate like Austin City Limits. The type 
font that some people identify with our logo. These festivals carried that look. So Auckland City Limits is in the same type font of Austin City Limits. The tone of how the festival is booked, very reminiscent. You feel like you're having an Austin City Limits moment and you're all the way on the other side of the globe. Similarly, we have found Tom has been working with some international syndication organizations and we've been able to bring episodes that have been lying in our archives and not really doing anything. We've been able to unlock those and put them on the air. And so we have the series is on the air in South America, in Australia, and in Europe, in Spain, Japan. So we actually have figured out how to spread the Austin City Limits experience outside the United States. And some people are just now getting their shot to see some of our episodes for the first time. In addition, we have recently just opened up with American Airlines. If you fly on American Airlines, there's an Austin City Limits video channel on their in-flight entertainment system. And we're really excited about it. Someone sent me the other day that Leon Bridges was on a flight and he actually pulled his phone out and he actually showed his hand pushing all the buttons until he got his show to come up on the back headrest of the seat in front of him. <laughs> and he pushed it out there saying he was just so proud. And it's and that's what Austin City Limits is from a technology standpoint, from the evolution of the way the world distributes and receives music now, we are we have expanded far beyond the PBS foundation, which we're grateful for. It's why we're here. We believe in the aesthetic of public television, and we wouldn't be who we are today without the direction that PBS has in terms of its showing America who it is. And I think ACL has always had a perfect home on PBS because we're diverse. America's diverse, and we are not held to formats and demographics. We are allowed to reflect America, all age groups, all demographics, all soundscapes. And we're proud of that. And PBS is, is the reason why. But to be able to say you can get jump on an American Airlines flight and watch Leon Bridges, that's pretty cool too. And that's one of the reasons we're still here is we're innovative. And we've, we are looking for opportunities as we move through this digital era to make sure that the show is relevant and available to watch and to participate with. And if, if you're a cord cutter, you can still get Austin City Limits. Wow, you've done a great job building the brand. That's fascinating. That That is a super story. Well, would be remiss, i got to ask you to talk about my favorite radio station, uh, Sun Radio. Ah, uh, my, my favorite radio station, Sun Radio, yes. Sun Radio has been in the market, I think, about roughly five years now. They started out of a, a small room in Dripping Springs. They were originally called KDRP, and some people short shorthanded that K-Drip because of their home being Dripping Springs. They had a, a, a cool little show, very eclectic, very Americana, very Austin City Limits-like, if you will, but they also doing Wimberley football games, and they were really reflecting the community. They moved into the Austin market based on an innovative opportunity they had to go out to the bee caves and the developer out there attracted them and helped create a studio for them. So they moved from Dripping Springs, they moved to bee caves, and as part of that, they got involved in solar 
solar panels and solar grids. And thus the name Sun Radio became important because the, the station itself has able to operations off of solar power. And so the station is now called Sun Radio because it invests in solar power and, and uses solar power to drive the operation of the station, which I think is, is very Austin, very cool. And so the station continues to, to grow. Another thing it does is it has looked for opportunities where there have been underutilized small band licenses out in the hill country. There might have been a, what could have been a religious broadcaster or educational broadcasting channel that was affiliated with a university or something like that. Because of the ongoing changes in technology, some of these smaller, limited bandwidth licenses just weren't really being utilized, and some of them were just put up for sale. Daryl O'Neill, who's the the guiding principal behind Sun, had a vision that he could build a network of stations by going out and purchasing these small licenses. So now, you know, the stations in Gonzales and Fredericksburg, it's in Lukenbach, it reaches the signal, pushes past Georgetown, you can get it going up in the Lampasas, you know, even all the way out into Marble Falls. So what Sun's been able to do is create a community and has been able to leverage the Sun sound. It still does football games in Gonzales, it still does football games in, in Wimberley, and several stations with several different numbers, if you will, but they all can share common programming in terms of music. Although each license might be dedicated to its community, Sun has been able to build a network, Sun Radio Network, by being able to share programming while keeping an eye on local community. They've just announced, Sun just announced that they're going to be moving from Bee Caves into a new development that's going to open on in East Austin called pop. And I wish I remembered what the pop stands for, but basically a developer is going to create a creative incubator for artists uh, on the East side. And they're, they're helping move some Austin based arts organizations who never have a lot of money for overhead and rent, but give a lot back to the community. They're creating a very accessible, I guess you would call it development and making attracting local arts organizations. And they, invited Sun Radio to be a part of that beehive, if you will. The first phase of this development will be getting Sun Radio up and operational next year in the first quarter, as well as helping some of these local arts organizations who are being priced out of real estate, knocked out of places. A lot of artists, as you know, sometimes find cheap, sometimes what's perceived as undesirable real estate until it's desirable. And that's kind of the story of the East side Austin in this era is that what has been a lot of smaller underutilized tracts of land now are being eyed and there's a lot of development happening in the east side of Austin. And some of these places are losing their homes because people who own the real estate are flipping them to developers and then they've got to find a new place to live. And so this development is coming online and Sun's going to be a part of it. I think it's a good thing. It's going to allow them to operate in a different way, because Bee Caves is certainly one part of Austin. On the other hand, East Austin is worlds away from Bee Caves. And some people, I think, will probably experience, they do a lot of events in the community, Sun's accessible, and I can't wait to see what they do when they, when they move their studios into East Austin. I know there's going to be a listening room there, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Ed, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I think the story of ACL, the story of Sun Radio and et cetera, is really an American story. 
there's a reason why people like to scoff and be snarky about the title Austin Live Music Capital of the World. And I know why they say that, because anybody that's, you know, claims to be the king of the mountain is ready to get knocked off. Having lived in Austin for 20 years now, I still feel that the music scene is a strong, innovative and invigorating. It, you know, it's changed. It, everything changes. But I, I think Austin is definitely where it needs to be. It needs to help its musicians more. And there's a lot more to discuss on that side. We'll save that for the next conversation. But as far as this being a place that someone who loves music can drop into and be immersed with so many options and so much live music and so many different sounds. I mean, I still feel that Austin is, for any music lover, Austin is, is definitely a place that you need to spend some time. I agree 100%. If you haven't been here, you got to get here. And remember, Austin, Austin City Limits Festival is coming up the first and second weekend of October. And don't forget that you can catch Austin City Limits on PBS every weekend. And if you are off Cord Cutter, as I mentioned earlier, you can go online and just go online and, and watch our episodes. They're available, and I hope that you will. Love it. Thank you, Ed. You have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks, Bye. Doug. Bye. You Bye. The umbrella of Austin City Limits has so much under it. ACL is a super great enterprise. If you're talking a musical journey through Texas, Austin City Limits and Austin itself are must-stops for getting a sense for the music culture of Texas. Hey, maybe that's a future Dog and Muddy podcast, where we talk about the music hotspots you need to check out in Texas. Hmm. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. If your calendar is still open for the first and second weekends of October, get in your car or hop a plane down to Austin to enjoy the ACL Festival. Go to www.aclfestival.com backslash lineup backslash by by dash day to get a sense for the 100 plus bands that we'll be playing. Hey, don't worry. I haven't forgotten about you. How about the key phrase you need to email me to participate in the drawing for the Stevie Ray Vaughan ACL Live DVD? Number one, my email is Doug D-O-U-G, at doggerandmuddy.com. Dogger and Muddy is D-O-G-G-E-R-A-N-D-M-U-D-D-Y. Number two, the phrase that must be included in the subject line or the heart of the email is, I love Stevie Ray. Let me repeat that. I love Stevie Ray. Number three, Get me your email entry by the last day of the ACL Festival, which is Sunday, October 14th, by midnight. We'll conduct the drawing on Tuesday, October 16th, and we'll inform the winner promptly. Hey, Diane and all the rest of you, thanks for listening in. There's nothing like Texas music. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel a speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? I cannot see over the leaves. 
Is this a dream? I won't go. 